Welcome to NeuroNoodles Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast featuring tech legend Jay Gunkelman. He is the man who has read well over a half a million brain scans. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Like our gold supporter, Applied Neuroscience, and our silver supporter, My Media. Earn up to 16 CEU hours by attending Applied Neuroscience's NeuroGuide Workshop March 4th and 5th in Madeira Beach, Florida. It's led by none other than Dr. Robert Thatcher himself. There are two ways you can attend, online or in person, with the link appliedneuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. MindMedia, get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now. Join us at the 7th Annual Super Brain Summit at Bradley University Center for Collaborative Brain Research. It's featuring speaker Dr. Mary Frances O'Connor. She's the author of The Grieving Brain, The Surprising Science of How We Learn from Our Love and Loss. If you want to get more information regarding registration, contact Gwen Hoarter. She's at G-H-O-W-A-R-T-E-R at bradley.edu or call her at 309-677-3900. If you want more information regarding programming, you can contact Dr. Lori Russell Chapin herself at 309-677-3186 or email lar at bradley.edu. Jerry Gunkelman. Morning, we, Pete. Uh, morning, Jay. Are we ready to educate the masses? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to chat, you know. What, what magic do you have for us today, my friend? You wanted to chat a little bit about CTE at some point. Yeah, because and... all this stupid slap boxing, I don't know why people want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I have an unusual interest in MMA. I enjoy watching, you know, one-on-one oh, uh, really? combat, you know, and it's the one-on-one, I, you know, I realize, you know, this is like a really bad, like, profession to be in. <laughs> um uh and that that quite often well in, in fact pretty much without exception they're causing themselves you know harm long term especially as they uh, go from uh, just like a neighborhood roughhousing yeah uh, one on one to you know it's no longer a king of the castle uh you know wrestling <laughs> with your buddies to get to the top of a hill yeah. um it you know it's it, well, it's del- deliberate damage and well but, dana white's the guy that uh, yeah i know yeah does the and I, ufc and, and all that mma there's it, the, there's it, the, it's not quite the sweet science but you're still you know you're you you can block stuff and um you know but it's not just standing there passively waiting for it yeah, you know? yeah. and uh so the slap thing doesn't have any real appeal to me. I mean, other than just the freak appeal, you know. Yeah. God, look at those fools, you know. Um, but should should they wear know. a helmet in M- MMA? <laughs> I don't know that MMA needs to wear a helmet. Uh, there, uh, uh, some some of the uh, permitted blows, I think, need to be a rethought. Um, a knee For to the head, like what? A knee to the oh, head. Knee to the head, yeah. That that one move is a real severe one. And, you know, slap upside the head is going to ring your bell a bit, but uh, a knee to the head can put you down and out. Um, and, you know, they, they do have some limitations. If you're, if you're not standing on your feet, they can't yeah. knee you in the head. So if you have one hand down, uh, the, you know, if you're on a, on a tripod, they can't knee you in the head. As soon as you pick your hand up, boom you you know so i i think that the knee to the head is one you know knee to the belly knee to the uh, side i mean there's all sorts of knee moves that you could do without it being the head so um i, I think that one is uh, uh something that they could reconsider what given about the, the severity 
they they pick the weight of the gloves uh, for the sport, and I, I I suppose if they had a a little more weight in the glove as far as the 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 depth of the padding, basically that it would cut down some on the intensity of the the blow. You'd still get points for the contact, but you wouldn't necessarily cause the same uh, level of impact. It's a brutal. Uh, sport, the sweet science of boxing uh, has been known to have dementia pugilistica, um, which, you know, boxer's brain, uh, punch drunk. Uh, yeah. th- those those terms existed before football thought they had a problem. The... More, more than their halftime shows. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. Um, I digress. You know, and, and, controversial you you see you know it, it's like art it's you know there's no accounting for taste right right um, right you know uh you know, uh, some people think things are fantastic and others are simply wondering why doesn't she have a safety harness you know? <laughs> 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 I, I i know construction workers that are you know, yeah, you know steel yeah, workers yeah. that go up on a, on uh, on elevated things and and they're looking to see if there's some, you know, a little wire going up from her in case she slips. And there's actually one of the dancers that did uh, did, did slip. So um, that you know that they weren't worried well, about OSHA, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're so, talking about acceleration, deceleration, uh, injuries yeah. to to the brain, and like with football these boxers later on in life they get cte what is cte and then why do a lot of these i just know junior self for throwing one out there why do they kill themselves like what does see what does cte do uh, well you know as you see what you have been in the rearview mirror and you see what you are in the mirror and you see where you're going in your mind's eye, there are some people that just don't want to get there. It, you, it, it's always your choice. Um, it's not a easy choice. It shouldn't be a first choice by any means, but it's it's everybody's choice as to when they want to end their trip. Right. And um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be CTE. Uh, you you you. You've seen p- people with Parkinson's. They have uh, the tremor and the shuffle and all of that. Right. Well, uh, it, it that that's not quite as bad as some of the other dementias, um, which, which uh, can have you progressing with your tremor and frozen postures and getting worse and hallucinating and having delusions, and then you get better, and then you get bad again. And then you get better again, and then you get bad again, and you can see it's getting worse. And you know, Robin Williams uh, uh, ended up doing himself in, uh, and and it wasn't Parkinson's. You know, it wasn't a simple movement disorder. There was psychosis added on top of it. And you know, so you know, it's, if you realize, gee, I was. Uh, a pro player i did have my head hit quite often i remember having seeing stars and having my bell rung and kind of wondering what day it was and where i was and what was up and you know but you know i'm no longer playing but now i've got memory problems and my mood's not so good you know level one there's four levels of severity and the severity on CTE starts with really, really minor uh, things. And and you could think, well, this is just me getting old. You know, uh, yeah, you get old, your memory gets a little fr- fritzy and, you know, you get old and grumpy, get off my lawn, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it gets worse than that. And as as people's ability to regulate themselves and their ability to perceive accurately and, and their, their social skill set. If you can't react and relate to your, your, your friends and family anymore, uh, there's a point at which you're just, you know, it's, it's too much and you realize it's going to be worse and worse and worse. And, 
and and the the images of it are absolutely uh, uh, mind blowing. Um, yeah, uh, what are the when your head when your brain is while you're looking that up, Jay? When your brain's sloshing around in there, um, you have chemical changes going on, right? That oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, and the brain turns like icky brown and and all that. Yeah. There, there's a uh, 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 tau, which is a protein, and it's associated with with dementias as well. Uh, but they can differentiate slightly the dementia uh, uh, tau from CTE related tau foldings, and uh, the, the 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 structural uh, degradation. This is level one, and you might see a little brown dot there and uh, you know it's this isn't a very dramatic change level two you know you can see a little bit more of the uh, dark uh, changes here and these are perivascular uh, uh, peri meaning like uh, above or adjacent to and uh, so that uh, the 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 plaques and, and tangles of Alzheimer's are not in the same, they don't attack the same uh, uh, situation, uh, not the same uh, uh, same locations. Level three, uh, by this time, you're pretty well demented. Uh, you're, you're not intact uh, functionally. The temporal lobes are starting to degrade uh, rather badly. And by the time you're at level four, uh, you're really non-functional. Uh, the your cognitive function, your ability to to remember, um, your ability to uh, predict, uh, your ability to understand, um, you know. And it, about the time people talk to you and you can't really understand what they're saying, uh, you, you've got more going on in your head. Uh, then you know then uh, that then is coming in uh this this is so non-functional that this is uh, a, a distinct endpoint and they may simply die of the cte you know not everybody kills themselves with cte and uh you know that they they, they they degrade and your brain has to regulate and function and at some point, uh, when they do pass, now you can take their brain to the Boston Brain Bank and actually have the CTE diagnosed. CTE is not di you can't diagnose CTE by you know looking in your, in your eyes, eyes or you know looking down your throat with a scope or looking in your ears or asking questions. You can make a pretty good guess. Yeah, you had history of you know, a chronic traumatic you know, circumstance and you're degrading your function, you can make a pretty good educated guess that it's probably what it is, but you don't know until you actually do the autopsy. And it's not a quick answer. Uh, right. they, they don't just, you know, take a piece and, and look. It, it, it's a about a nine-month to 12-month assessment from the time the body is donated uh, to the time you get your your solid answer. Jay, for the for the newbies that don't know what they're looking at, it looks like the the brain. It's starting with the bottom, and then it it, it works its way down. What is the bottom like? Where, where's well, the front of the head? You, the back. You of the have head? you have some frontal and temporal changes. Um, the temporal lobe seems to suffer uh, particularly badly um, at, by stage three. The temporal lobes are uh, degrading and. You know, you, you know, temporal lobes. Oh, what the, what's the big deal? It's just something on the side. I mean, why would that be important? Comprehension, memory, um, disturbances in the temporal lobe can give you uh, uh, false emotion, pseudo bulbar affect, uh, where the, uh, the the emotion isn't really a real emotion. It's a false emotion. You can have the 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 term fit used to be associated with seizures, you know, it's, uh, um, but the term fit is used for a fit of rage, uh, a, a fit of laughter, 
uh, emotions that are not in your control. In fact, the laughter isn't even funny to somebody who has a gelastic uh, seizure. And uh, it's a form of epilepsy that you're uncontrolled laughter. Um, and uh, the same pseudobulbar affect can happen uh, with CTE, with temporal lobe changes. Uh, uh, very similar behaviors to uh, uh, behaviors that are involuntary from seizure activity. And seizures are not uncommon in people that have CTE. End stage. I mean, by the time your brain is uh, degraded into, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, essentially almost a scabby mass, um, you, you, you end up having uh, a dramatic uh, dysfunction that you, you can't think straight. You can't remember where you are. Um, it, like Alzheimer's, people who go for a drive and they, they end up in another state not not knowing yeah. where they are or how to get back to where they thought they wanted to head, and that uh, that that's very uh, troubling. But by the time they're in stage four, it's usually irrefutable that they're uh, that they're so disturbed functionally that um, they're, they're they're basically not uh, not operating a, a normal human way. So, and it's it's highly unfortunate. Uh, it'd be nice if there was a, a simple scan, uh, a simple test, uh, but there's not. Uh, this is a, an autopsy uh, diagnosis. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, question, question uh, Jay, uh, if, if it's why is it s settling in the t in the temple? And then if you had an EEG, I would think that there would be something showing up that because something's got to be going on in there. Yeah, you probably are going to see something that's changed, but the difference is diagnostic specificity. You know, uh, uh, in EEG, we can identify migraine ischemia. We can identify post-traumatic ischemia. We can identify vascular change causing ischemia. We can identify a vascular anomaly uh, causing ischemia. So, But we can't tell one from the other from the other from the other. Uh, so it's very sensitive, but it's not very specific. So we could do a scan and say, yep, uh, it's not working. Uh, and it's not working so bad that this is like CTE, but it could be like uh, um, some other brain pathology. I mean, there are lots of brain pathologies that are not good outcomes, Um uh, bin swangers, uh, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis. I mean, the the uh, Jacob Kutzfeldt disease, which is mad cow disease in humans, which ends up with pathology as bad as this as well. It, it'd be nice if there was a, a quick and easy uh, diagnosis, but uh, the, the techniques that you use of neuroimaging, like, again, you can spot the location, and all of that, but you can't necessarily, you know, test the protein and uh, um, uh, fibril uh, tangles and so forth. So, but, um, but if you got a, a baseline, an annual baseline, like when you get your physical, would you see some type of change that maybe you could exclude all the other ones? You wouldn't know it's CTE, but you know, you could have run the yeah. risk of these particular, right? Yep. You could, you could identify non-specific pathology basically you're, you could identify the functional degradation but again uh, um, if you're looking for a diagnosis uh, you have to send your body in after you're done with it yeah. and have them you know put the stamp of cte on it you know ultimately the, a, a lot of the people that are end stage cte that are uh, still reasonably uh, cognitively intact enough to have a discussion uh you know would you do something different would you do you know would you not do football uh, would you uh, be a banker or whatever you know uh, and they say no you know i, I had a fabulous life uh, this is a fabulous opportunity um i, I enjoyed the sport um you know i i missed the sport 
it isn't like they want to go back and not do it. Um, they would prefer not having that outcome, but they they wouldn't choose a different path. It, it's important for, I think, the sport to end up designing what they can to protect. And it, in the it, it's kind of like in the rules. Uh, they're protecting the quarterback a lot more than they used to. Right. Um, it used to be uh, you three guys go get him, you know, uh, take him out. Yeah, uh, he's he's he's, uh, he's beaten us, so take him out. Yeah. And you know, people would deliberately, you know, uh, try and take somebody out. Uh, they they don't let you do that kind of stuff anymore without penalizing you. Um, when they see it, we, we started talking about boxing. Uh, how did yeah. how did it go down with Muhammad Ali? Because you could see him degrading, but then in turn into yeah. Parkinson's. Like what? Well, dementia pugilistica and Parkinson's disease are hard to differentiate. There are quite a few boxers that end up with Parkinson's presentation that may not have Parkinson's disease, but the damage that they have is to the same structures. Uh, Dementia pugilistica ends up damaging the substantia nigra, uh, and uh, that, that is a basal ganglia and it it controls movement um by the time you show your first significant it's, it's called a pill rolling tremor that that the the hand movement um that parkinson's has uh that that's called a pill rolling you know like rolling between your fingers by the time you show a significant pill rolling uh tremor or the head bob tremor 75 percent of the substantia nigra is already damaged I mean, it's it, it's almost all gone. Uh, a few percent better, a few percent worse makes the difference between symptomatic and non-symptomatic. And uh, oddly enough, neurofeedback for SMR is being done for Parkinson tremor. And they're having good outcomes with it. So, you know, it's it's not like you can't try to treat some of it. I don't know that you can reverse the progressive nature of it, but you can regulate and control the symptom presentation somewhat. Yeah, Thompson's, uh, Michael and Linda, when Michael was still around, they uh, they worked with a woman up in Canada with SMR, and she uh, had advanced Parkinsonism to the point where she would have frozen postures. You know, in, in Parkinsonism, it becomes impossible to initiate a movement. So you're essentially frozen. You can't you can't make the next step forward. If you try, you may simply fall. And falls in, in Parkinson's quite often the first time you get diagnosed is after a fall. So you, you kind of lean forward like you're going to make, make that step, but you don't pick up your foot and put it forward. You're going to end up on your face. So um, the, the frozen postures. Now, she was going to give a speech about you know, her Parkinsonism and the, the treatment and everything. And as she got up to, to do her speech, she, she found herself essentially frozen on stage. And she kind of got back into state, did her little SMR, you know, internal, uh, whatever you do to make it. And it's ineffable. I mean, we can't, we can't tell you what it is you do, um, but everybody that learns it does it. So, Obviously, it can be done. And, and you know, she unstuck herself and gave her talk, gave a little giggle. And, you know, uh, I, I was frozen there for a second. And, you know, but uh, it, it, it's something that can be treated. Now, CTE isn't just, you know, Parkinsonism, uh, but dementia pugilistic isn't Parkinsonism either. Uh, dementia pugilistica is probably very much like uh, 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 CTE uh, because that's the, the basis of it, chronic repeated head injuries. The, the question is, did he have Parkinson's or was this all uh, dementia pugilistica? And there's no way to really tell. You know, it, uh, they're not going to be able to go in and and uh, and do an autopsy and differentiate uh, dementia pugilistica from 
uh, Parkinson's disease, um, if, if you have dementia pugilistica as bad as the CTE from football, on the other hand, you're going to be able to identify the uh, stage four. Uh, that that doesn't look like Parkinson's disease at all. What what so, is the uh, turning of the brown? Like, what chemical changes are going on? In it? Is it the towels? Is it the lack of oxygen or is it oxidation? Like, what's going on? Um, in in fact, uh, protein uh, they're uh, uh, periventricular and deep in the in the sulci, uh, you start to actually get uh, uh, dark uh, black uh, changes, and the the blood vessels actually start to have uh, 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 neurofibril uh, tangles and penetrations. It's a degradation of uh, vasculature. It's a degradation of uh, of neural connections. When a spot in the brain is essentially functionally killed off by it. It depends upon what spot got killed off. Did you get rid of a rich club hub and make it almost impossible to recover from it? Or was this just a little spoke or a little hub that are less important? So, you know, exactly where and exactly what ends up changing, you know, which, which symptom you're going to end up representing. Earn up to 16 CEU hours by attending Applied Neuroscience's NeuroGuide Workshop March 4th and 5th in Madeira Beach, Florida. It's led by none other than Dr. Robert Thatcher himself. There are two ways you can attend, online or in person, with the link appliedneuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. Join us at the 7th Annual Super Brain Summit at Bradley University Center for Collaborative Brain Research. It's featuring speaker Dr. Mary Frances O'Connor. She's the author of The Grieving Brain, The Surprising Science of How We Learn from Our Love and Loss. If you want to get more information regarding registration, contact Gwen Hoarter. She's at G-H-O-W-A-R-T-E-R at bradley.edu or call her at 309-677-3900. If you want more information regarding programming, you can contact Dr. Lori Russell-Chapin herself at 309-677-3186 or email lar at bradley.edu. They've recently done a series of autopsy uh, uh, evaluations on uh, pro uh, uh, football players. They've seen the same issues in hockey. They've seen the same issues in other contact sports as well. Um, uh, I don't know that swimming is on the list, but you know, uh, there's, you know, the, you missed a back, backflip going the other way. Oh, uh, you know, my brother, Wait, used, yeah, my brother's a backstroker and he used to whack his head uh, uh, on rare occasion. But, you know, you get pretty good at seeing the flags across the pool and knowing exactly how many more strokes before you you, you put your hand back there and kick, you know. So, right, right. Um, uh, and he was a good backstroker. He was recruited to the Naval Academy and is a backstroker. Yeah, well, my whole family was swimmers. Um, I took third NCAA 1,650 meter um, in the North Central Conference. Uh, uh, the two guys that beat me went to Olympic. I've never been beat before uh, you know, until I went to the to that meet. And when we took the, off off the blocks, you know, the, I could see them starting to pull ahead. And I thought, well, you know, you fools, I'll see you later, you know. Well, the but beard they, slowed they, you down. Uh, I, I, I swam <laughs> my own race and they swam their own race, but they were just yeah, yeah, faster. Yeah. And uh, I was way ahead of everybody else and they were way ahead of me. So I'm, I'm happy to see uh, the, the concern on the part of the athletes early in their career. Um, it, uh, it, it's a decision you have to make uh, early enough. Uh, if, you know, uh, James Thompson, uh, Michael Linda Thompson's son, uh, uh, went to uh, Penn, uh, Penn State and he got his uh, doctorate uh, and his dissertation was basically on uh, traumatic uh, encephalopathy and uh, sports uh, injuries and repetitive sports injuries and how serious it was to have the second and third injury uh, when, you know, one is bad, the second one's not twice as bad as like squaring it. And 
it goes up exponentially, the amount of damage and, and functional loss. But he did a very nice uh, dissertation on it. Um, actually, sat he sat on a, a, a government advisory uh, panel uh, that advised the military um, and the U.S. government how to spend money for uh, TBI and PTSD. Uh, I was there, uh, Yuri Kropotov, uh, Dirk DeRitter, and you know a, a bunch of uh, folks were, were, were there. A lot of people tried to get in that wanted to like sell something to the government for the purposes, but uh, it was by invite only, and they had Marines at the door. Uh, if, uh, unless you were badged up, you weren't getting in. Uh, one of the organizers one morning was uh, got off the bus and he had forgot his his badge. And um, you know, <laughs> he he said, "I'm an organizer." He was he was trying to kind of uh, uh, push the issue to get in. And one of the other organizers saw what was about to go down. This guy was about to eat you know asphalt. And um, uh, said, oh, no, 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 no! I got a car right here. We'll go. Go get your badge. We'll be back in a couple of minutes, you know. So that the uh, you know, just buzzed over to the hotel, grabbed his credentials, and came back. But the the marine was just about to take him down, you know. And I, I don't know if you're in the mood for bad art, Jay, but if if you are, uh, just to draw up, you know, what's happening with the, the when you get hit and the you know the acceleration deceleration, what's happening afterwards? Uh, it's bad art time. Yes. So, uh, uh, a lot of times, uh, be, because you've you've got a head, and we'll put a nose on it here, and uh, you, you've got a, a brain inside. But um, if if you are ex are accelerating uh, forward and you suddenly hit something, uh, that uh, that uh, some people basically say that the brain bounces back and forth, and that the damage. Uh, coup contra coup uh, up in front and in the back is because of this bouncing back and forth. Uh, others suggest that the curvature of the skull acts kind of like a satellite dish and it focuses the energy to a distant location. And the, the question of which one of the models is accurately predicting the damage is an academic question. The observation that the damage happens at point A and point B is irrefutable. Um, the the question is is it the the brain bouncing or is it uh, energy focused? Blast injuries have started to give us a little bit more uh, faith that the focused energy may be more uh, important in blast injury than. Than the bouncing of the brain back and forth. Um, uh, the blast injury literally uh, has a, a, a force wave uh, traveling through the tissue and um, gives you damage uh, all the way through. It's not just at point A and point B. It, it, it tears uh, white matter connections. Yeah. White matter doesn't like to be stretched. The, the myelin sheath, if it's uh, stretched, it, it usually is going to die off as a as a cell, the white matter uh, in the cell. So the brain could bounce back and forth, but it can also, again, act like a satellite dish, which is focusing the energy to a distant location. The, the, those those are, uh, I think, really quite clear. Um, the other thing is that um, uh, on and you've got an insula in here as well. And it's, this is bad art. Is the Absolutely. Brain. But uh, uh, when when uh, damage occurs, it occurs at the edge of white matter and gray matter and at the edge next to fluid and and substance. Um, that, that That's where torque ends up happening. Um, uh, it, if it was all... Uh, uniform, uh, homogeneous um, uh, 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 content, it would just kind of have the, the force wave go through it. But as it goes through and something is uh, 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 more resistant to movement than the other thing, they tear. So the, the border between white matter and gray matter, uh, the, the, the edges around ventricular areas, 
Um, and in head injury, it's very common to have periventricular white matter change. Uh, the, the ventricles uh, 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 end up being uh, fluid-filled areas, and um, around the edges of the fluid-filled areas, you see little tiny white dots in the MRI. These are periventricular white matter changes. Uh, they, they can be from post-traumatic ischemia. Ischemia will give you these little white matter dots. And uh, post-traumatic ischemia, migraine ischemia, uh, vascular change with aging. If you're 50 years old or older and they see them, they usually say age-related or probably age-related paraventricular white matter changes. But, um, it, you know, it could be from trauma as well. Um, un unfortunately... Uh, every head injury is unique. Um, if there's twist involved, like a slap or a cross, uh, if you're if you're coming straight, if, if something hits you straight in the front, your brain moves forward. Uh, the fulcrum cerebri, the uh, uh, there's a, a lining between the two hemispheres, and the brain goes forward and hits that dura lining, the fulcrum cerebri. And at that point, it, it damages the connections between right and left frontally. But if there's a twist involved, it, uh, it, it tears connections um, uh, through the brain. Uh, um, uh, that, that twist ends up being, uh, if your head is turned and you get a hit, the brain has a, has a twist to it. And, you know, you're running down the field and football and somebody throws you a pass and you're turning your head and you're receiving something and then somebody comes straight at you and hits you. So the, um, it, it isn't always direct, um, uh, direct hit. If you're hitting somebody, you, you may have your, uh, the, 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 the concussion for you may be straight on, but the person you're hitting with their head already turned to the side, goodness knows what the, physics for that individual is is that more and, of a brain stem issue uh it can be um you, and the brain stem is pretty well protected but at the same time a damage to the brain stem is foundational to brain function uh breathing um uh, just uh, basic existential function ends up happening in brain stem uh, you can lose a piece of your cortex and uh you know lose a little bit of memory of something but it's it's not as it's not like losing something at the level of the brainstem you're going to lose foundational function tumors that influence the brainstem quite often end up being fatal because of their negative impact on on you know just basic function breathing uh res respiration uh maintenance of blood pressure etc so uh it, you don't want to end up losing a brainstem. Yeah. You can't grow it back. <laughs> no, well, you can't grow back cortex either, you know, um, uh, at, at least not uh, historically. I mean, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're getting pretty fancy with what they can grow. Now they're growing little, uh, uh, little miniature brain organelles. Um, yeah. and, uh, that they've implanted some of them into damaged brains and rats and the rats recover. So, uh, goodness knows what, what they'll end up doing with, uh, 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 implants for recovery at some point. All these injuries now, some you can see with an EEG, some you can't, but the, the techs out there, they're going to be doing neurofeedback. Like what's happening, like what training is going on that helps reroute the, uh, the circuit there to help these people get better? Well, um, uh, when you're training EEG, uh, you're, you're training uh, the output of a very complex system. And uh, if you know what you're doing and you train in the right spot with the right frequencies, uh, you can end up influencing brain function in a rather amazing way. Um, we've uh, taught people that have had significant brain injuries um, how to recover their function in a way that they didn't expect necessarily. Um, uh, I, I have a, 
an acquaintance in the Napa Valley that was uh, uh, a, kind of a semi-pro bicycle racer, got hit um, head-on, um, uh, zooming down a hill, and the stoplight at the base of the hill was not working, and somebody cut across his lane, hit him, uh, it, it just absolutely gouged. The, his, he was wearing a helmet, and the helmet was just absolutely road rash, gouge, gouge gone. And uh, he was in a coma for about eight months, and uh, 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 his twist, because of the hit on one side, basically, uh, was really quite significant. And you could tell uh, uh, he, he wasn't able to differentiate one side of himself from the other. If he's sitting in a chair and you roll a ball towards him in therapy, you're supposed to kick it with one foot. Both feet would kick. You know, it, uh, uh, things that, that, that required you to crisscross, uh, mm. like the movement of crawling and things like that. He, uh, anything that required crossing the midline, he just really had lost. Um, uh, quite a bit of work, uh, but he ended up recovering well enough to be generally functional. Um, uh, his, he has a little bit of difficulty with speech because the motor movement of his tongue is a little bit disturbed. Uh, but he's, um, you know, he's able to get out and about. Um, uh, he drives. Um, you know, he, uh, he he's still existing uh, well enough uh, in his recovery. And uh, Robin Williams actually donated him uh, one of those bicycles with a full TV screen in front of it um, uh, before Robin passed. Uh, he mm -hmm. he donated him a. Uh, 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 since he didn't have enough balance to ride a bike anymore, uh, he had a stationary bike that could uh, take you through the Alps or wherever you want to uh, uh, go. But the, it, 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 the, the recovery is possible, but it's not easy. And it requires very specialized uh, intervention. It's, this isn't just a wait and recover. Uh, you, you've you've got to uh, do specific things to bring uh, the, the network's back online. So. Hey, Jay, let's just say uh, Dana White just happened to turn on the internet and just happens to see us. Uh, would you have any suggestions since you're a fan of MMA? Like what would be the protocols or procedures to make sure that there's good brain health for these people? You just tell them to hold still, hold still, don't move. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, With, <laughs> yeah um you know uh, it, i i have to say mma um it, you you can actually block uh an mma this slap stuff is not sport that's just stupid um yeah. you know uh, how how bright is it to stand there and take one you know uh 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 you know where, where where's where's the block uh, where, where, where's the right, block? Right. I mean, right. Um, in MMA, I, I do believe that there are things they could do to make it a little more uh, uh, safe. Um, there, there are uh, rules. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an, an all-out fight, whatever you want to do. But you know, like, like the old, old boxing match: no eye gouging, no you know, kneeing in the balls, you know, all the, right, right, all, right. the all the little moves that they, they wouldn't allow. Well, a knee to the head is one that they should disallow. Now, they don't let you do it if you're if you're on all fours or if you're uh, if you have one hand down. I mean, but it's time to just disallow a knee to the head. That that one is a, a blow that is uh, potentially fatal. And uh, I, I think that's one where it just does, you don't have to make that move something that is, is part of that sport. And uh, the weight of the gloves, I mean, uh, how, how much padding there is and all of that, those yeah. little changes in these sorts of things can make a big difference. And I don't really see them feeling the pressure to make it that much yeah. safer. Um, at this point, they'd, if somebody gets knocked out, they, you know, they, they take them off to the ER afterwards and scan them and everything. But uh, that it, 
that's after the fact. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to do uh, uh, preventative uh, changes to the, uh, to the rules. And I have to say, you know, I, I have, you know, you'd think, well, I'm, I'm in brain science stuff and I would be absolutely against sports like that. Yeah. But I, you know, one-on-one, uh, mano a mano, uh, 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 king Knock of the, me off the hill. Yeah. Uh, that, that sort of stuff still has a, a, a appeal uh, to me. And, uh, uh um, I, I realized that this is not a, a, a sport that I want to personally involve myself in because, you know, I, I realize the damage that can happen and the older you are, the less intact you are for this. Uh, you, you have to think uh, twice about the same kind of an injury in somebody 45, 50 versus somebody 22, 28, you know, when your brain is all puffy and fresh, uh, it doesn't flop around a lot. Uh, by the time you start to have some atrophy, uh, your brain moves and, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much to end up having a blood vessel tear and getting a subdural hematoma. Uh, I, I, just, I just wonder if they ever could get to the point, Jay, where if it's the helmet measuring the G-forces or the way they're able to pick up things with you know, with the new technology and measurements to do, do the EEG with nothing touching the head. You just have a laser you know, pointing at it and you've reached a certain limit and okay, you're done, you can't take anymore. Or you are you can only punch in the head a couple times. You get three connects, that's it. You have to go to the body, the rest. I, it's the only thing I could think uh, of. You know... Uh, then nobody would watch it. I, I I think that's probably about right. You know, um, part part of the uh, part of the attractiveness of the sport to people is the the risk. You know, you you risk a a whack to the head that knocks you out, and uh, and then yeah, uh, there are a lot of people that are disappointed if there isn't a knockout in a fight. So uh, that's not me. I, yeah, I, yeah, it's a, a good good contest. Uh, could be a lot of good wrestling, you know. Wrestling, so. don't even start. And then Jay, uh, and and I, I'm sure you agree. I I think we do, uh, dedicate the show to uh, Susan uh, Othmer. Uh, Siegfried, uh, Siegfried uh, sent me a, a couple notes here. We'd love to have Siegfried on, and uh, yeah, I didn't do a very good job in the, it, the he and the Kurt both of her. the the, the yeah, family, yeah. the family, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to reach out, have him come on. I didn't do a good job of the women of neurofeedback. I like to update that episode uh, because, you know, we weren't as sophisticated back then as we are now. And we, we, we left her out. We're, and we like we're not sophisticated now. <laughs> we're, we're getting there, Jay. But, but we like to dedicate this show to Su- Su- Susan Fitzgerald Othmer. You know, our our field has lost a lot of foundational figures. And um, it, and Sue was foundational for a whole bunch of people. Uh, and uh, she had her own um, intuitive insights into things. Um, uh, their, uh, their early observations clinically ended up being validated later. I mean... Uh, uh, the, everybody comes to see the elephants in the parade. You know, they're the interesting part. The scientists come afterwards and they sweep up all the poop from the elephants, you know. And so, the, you know, she was, she was out there uh, doing a lot of good clinical insight, um, the, the, the going for infra slow, infra low frequency. The, the insight into doing that at all came from her. Uh, they're, um, if you remember back then, Lubar was CZSMR, FZ beta, uh, and, and they were doing C3, C4, and then C3, FZ, and C4, PZ. Um, but the, the observation of SMR being an SMR effect better on the right side than the left side, um, that was all clinical observation. And it wasn't validated, but, you know, uh, Andrew Hill uh, actually got his PhD at UCLA's brain lateralization lab, Aaron Zidell's lab, and he validated that observation. You know, they, they did 
uh, beta and SMR training left and right and, and got subjective reports, uh, fancy brain lateralization testing, dichotic listening and whatnot. I mean, the, it was a lab that was speci specialized in brain lateralization. Unfortunately, uh, Aaron also has passed, Aaron Sadell. So, um, you know, the, well, the we're field, gonna get, the field yeah. is, is, is all getting older and this is, this is, you know, it happens with every field, the foundational folks end, end up, you know, passing. Uh, but we passed the torch and there are younger, uh, sharp, bright uh, uh, students and uh, grad students and young professionals that are uh, picking up the torch and carrying things forward and um, and validating with solid research. And, um, uh, the uh, the observation that the very slow training ends up influencing all the faster frequencies, cross frequency coupling, um, uh, the all of the detail, the science of what's happening during neurofeedback is starting to be detailed. And um, uh, it's, it, you know, uh, if it weren't for the foundational people in the field, we wouldn't be where we are. We're standing on the shoulders of giants and, um, and we're happy for the view. And um, it, it, it's unfortunate every time we lose one of them, um, but it's, it's nature. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, we uh, got to get Siegfried on and we got to talk about Susan and get, get uh, l learn more about her. There, there, there's a whole generation that wants to learn, learn more. Yeah. Jay Gunkelman, thank you so much for uh, doing this podcast <laughs> once again. Oh, uh, sure. Sure. Uh, Keep your left up. To, uh, <laughs> uh, pop on in the morning and, and uh, pop off about the uh, brain stuff, you know, so. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you, like our gold supporter, Applied Neuroscience, and our silver supporter, Mind Media. Earn up to 16 CEU hours by attending Applied Neuroscience's NeuroGuide Workshop March 4th and 5th in Madeira Beach, Florida. It's led by none other than Dr. Robert Thatcher himself. There are two ways you can attend, online or in person, with the link AppliedNeuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. MindMedia, get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now. Join us at the 7th Annual Super Brain Summit at Bradley University Center for Collaborative Brain Research. It's featuring speaker Dr. Mary Frances O'Connor. She's the author of The Grieving Brain, The Surprising Science of How We Learn from Our Love and Loss. If you want to get more information regarding registration, contact Gwen Hoarter. She's at G-H-O-W-A-R-T-E-R -E at bradley.edu or call her at 309-677-3900. If you want more information regarding programming, you can contact Dr. Lori Russell Chapin herself at 309-677-3186 or email lar at bradley.edu.